Hey, my friends, if you're looking for a faster, better way to grow and scale your landscape business, you likely don't need to join just another free Facebook group or watch another YouTube video. What you need is a proven, cohesive growth strategy for your business, along with the one-on-one coaching or group coaching and accountability to support you every step of the way. And that's exactly what the Million Dollar Academy delivers to you. The Million Dollar Academy is coaching, tools, accountability, and done-free resources for landscapers who want to take the guesswork out of scaling and growing towards a profitable multiple six, even seven-figure-plus business without all the stress and all the hours of agonizing. How do I get everything done? Or am I doing this right? Or what do I need to focus on next? The Million Dollar Academy is about thinking differently and thinking bigger about how to be a successful business owner. It's about more than just being good at landscaping. It's about how to create more profit and how to scale all while relieving some of the pressure on yourself. We do have group and one-on-one coaching spots available. So if you want to go learn more, head over to milliondollarlandscaper.com forward slash academy and get in there today. If you've ever struggled the daily grind of making and keeping track of work orders, you have to check out Easy Beasy. Easy Beasy's easy to use, easy to learn, affordable work order and time clock app with unlimited users included with every subscription. Make and edit work orders anytime, anywhere you're working, at your desk, in your truck, on the job site, even on your couch. With Easy Beasy, you can easily copy work orders to use over and over, which is great for mowing and plowing. You can also keep track of employee timesheets, contact your customers, add notes, instructions, even pictures of your jobs. Easy Beasy works on Android and Apple devices or any tablet or computer. Easy Beasy also has a wide variety of reports so you can have all the info you need for billing right from your phone. Say goodbye to paying for extra users because everyone gets unlimited users on Easy Beasy. Try Easy Beasy for free for 30 days. Visit easybeasy.app forward slash MDL to sign up. Easy Beasy is a simple work order and time clock app for mow crews, hardscape crews, and everything in between. Start saving time and money with Easy Beasy. Visit easybeasy.app forward slash MDL to sign up today. We want to take a quick second to tell you about our friends over at Cycle CPA. I can't even express to you how important it is to have a good accountant on your side. You know you want accurate bookkeeping and financial statements every month. Instead, you're often left with limited time to focus on the accounting side of your business and no reports to show for it. At Cycle CPA, the landscaping accountants, they not only handle the bookkeeping, but also provide landscape industry benchmarking, job costing, financials by service line, advisory meetings, and much more. Cycle CPA has a team of landscaping accountants available to provide anything from bookkeeping to CFO services. Visit CycleCPA.com and for $100 off, mention the Million Dollar Landscaper podcast. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Landscaper podcast. Today, I'm excited to bring on the one, the only Brian Fullerton of Brian's Law and Maintenance. He is the host of the Fullerton Unfiltered podcast, which if you haven't listened to, you need to go check it out. It's an amazing podcast. He's also the creator of the Entrepreneur Academy. He helps landscapers and, and lawn care professionals get started in, in the industry. So welcome, Brian. Thanks for being on the show today. Hey, thanks, Scott. Appreciate it, brother. How's your morning going? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. Just trying to get things rolling. You know how it is. Yep, yep. <laughs> hey, man, it's, uh, the weather's finally starting to break a little bit around here. We got some 40s and 50s, which 
for all my Southern listeners, it's probably been those temperatures and above all winter, but <laughs> in Michigan, we're super excited about getting out the door and do spring cleanups. The guys are out and about today. And I've got bids, quotes, and estimates just like you guys. So it's, you know, the spring rush hits you, man. It's like zero to 100 real quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you guys get any snow up there yesterday? We had some snow here yesterday. Thankfully, we did not. I heard some people got some accumulation all the way to like Minnesota. They were getting like five and eight inches of snow. But, you know, that's Minnesota, right? But yeah. uh, no, thankfully, it held off because that would have been, again, pulling the e-brake, which for once, we would just like to have a nice spring up in Michigan. Amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, we're pretty close. I'm in Northwest Indiana, so it's pretty yep. uh, pretty close at that. So. Yep. Amen to that. But no, thank you for being on the show today. Today, I want to actually kind of dive into some topic that I haven't really talked a whole lot about in our show is equipment and what equipment we should get into, what are some considerations and what factors we need to think about with equipment in general. Is there anything like that you start thinking of when you want to consider buying a piece of equipment, whether new use or some factors that you kind of go into or think about? Man, that's a good question. We could probably talk about that for the next hour and a half, <laughs> if not three days, right? Yeah. It, you know, the, there's a lot of opinions and feedback and everybody's got their two cents, of course, about new versus used. When's the best time to trade equipment in? When's the best time to buy equipment? And then, gosh, all the different levels in between there, right? Like residential versus entry commercial, entry commercial versus high-end commercial equipment. So yeah, I'm excited about talking about equipment and anything else you want to talk about today. But for us with equipment, I like equipment. I think a lot of guys like equipment. Okay. And uh, I think the one thing that I wish I could go back in time personally is I wish I would have gotten more equipment as my business was growing, like reinvested sooner into the next level uh, that I knew we would intentionally use and go into. But I also want to preface that with like, I see a lot of guys buying too much equipment, go figure. So it's like trying to find that right balance of what you need now and what you can grow into. And then also not having all these, you know, what could be assets sitting around on your trailer or in your shop, not having any hours on them or producing any work. And so they're, as we would define it, liabilities, right? And so I see too many guys sometimes buying like the big dog truck and the three mowers where they needed two or two mowers where they needed one. And then maybe they could rent a mower or borrow a mower, right? Or just take a little bit longer on that property and not drop another $12,000. So yeah, I mean, wherever you want to go with it, man. But hey, you know, I'll play my cards here. I'll show you my hand. I love equipment, man. We love <laughs> making sure that we got the best of the best out there to uh, get the job done. Oh yeah, no. It, like you said, we can go on for days for this, but like for us personally, we've always tended to buy mostly used equipment. It's you know a couple of years old, um, except for our, our like larger piece of equipment like skidsters and and like tractors and such. We bought those new mowers. We bought new, but as far as like trucks and stuff, we typically bought a couple of year old trucks, dump trucks, flatbeds, and all those types of things. Cool, and it just seemed to work out for us. We actually had a, a mechanic that was on staff with us. So they're able to maintain if anything would happen to break down, anything like that. But yeah, I'd just like to hear your thoughts and some of the things that you consider just even when you want to go, say, buy a, a new piece of equipment for the lawn side of things. Yeah, I mean, it really, again, it comes down to like the needs versus wants, right? Now, if your money's right, your income situation's right, hey, you know, go buy maybe some nicer equipment. If you are on the come up and you have to, you know, just sweat equity this thing and you buy like the entry and then you buy the commercial entry, then you buy the full-blown commercial. I, I've been there. I, I started literally like most guys out there with a push mower, you know, and just cutting neighbors' lawns, all that stuff. If you guys don't know my story, I was the 10-year-old kid, cut grass from 10 to 16 years old. My mom told me to go get uh, a real job, which I was like, <laughs> looking back on it, there's a whole funny story there, but I was making more on a Saturday than I would, you know, eventually all week working at uh, Little Caesars Pizza. Do you guys have Little Caesars by you guys, Scott? We do, yeah. 
Okay, yeah. cool. Some people don't have them. They've never had the uh, the privilege to uh, <laughs> try a five, try to five dollar pizza. Which I use the privilege with an asterisk, right? But um, <laughs> God bless them. But uh, so I did that for a couple of years. Became a store manager. It was a fun job. I was you know eighteen, nineteen, making you know today's money would have been fifty, sixty thousand bucks, and it was okay. It was a fun job. I actually got let go from there. Uh, there's a whole story there. And then I went up working for True Green. Do you guys have True Green, like spraying lawns over by you guys? Yep. Yeah. A lot of people know True Green. So I did that for about, mm, I don't even know if it was six months. And I realized this is what I wanted to do with my life. <laughs> and so long story short, I saw these guys mowing grass. I said, hey, I can do that. When I was little, I could do that again as an adult. And it wasn't about a couple of weeks later, I did some research and I ended up picking up a uh, an Mark walk behind you know, 48 inch commercial mower and little trailer from tractor supply. I did not know the difference between like commercial equipment or residential equipment or uh, a local power equipment dealer versus like the big box store. So I actually went to a Sears and I got open shelf, open box clearance, trimmers and edgers. I swear to God, I got them both for like 60 bucks each. And they were, you know, the obviously the most bottom of the barrel thing you could ever imagine. And I didn't know that at all because I didn't know what I didn't know. And so that was like the illustrious start to like Brian's lawn care back then. It wasn't even Brian's lawn maintenance. It was my old like, you know, high school and uh, middle school days pushing a mower on grass again, right? But I, man, I, I'll tell you what, I always envied the guys with the nicer trucks, the nicer rigs, the nicer setup, you know, like that was the dream, you know, maybe one day we'll have the F-250 with the uh, utility trailer and the two mowers on there. Like, I don't know why I thought that was like... Warren Buffett level, but like to me, that was like 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 I was Brightview, you know what I mean? And uh so we we've had a little bit of everything along the way, man. We've had the walk behind mowers, we've had the the sit-down mowers, we've had the stand-down mowers. And since we're talking equipment specifically today, I would say like when you really run the numbers, like the higher end equipment really does make a lot of sense. When you're getting your business going, you're like, dude, how does anybody cash flow a thirteen thousand dollar lawnmower? Like I don't know if, I, if you guys can relate, but the most expensive thing that I had ever bought at the time was a, uh, don't laugh, Scott, but do you remember like Hyundai Elantra is like the little yeah. little critter car? Yeah. And that thing was $10,000. That was like my high school car. And my car payment was like 203 a month or something, right? And a few years into my business, I was about to drop 10, 12 grand on my first zero turn mower. And the guy was like, hey, this is $10,400. I remember how much it was. The payment was like, you know, 205 a month. And I'm like, bro, this thing costs more than my car. And my worldview of money and life and business was so small. I had no clue what I was doing. I was probably way out over my skis already. But I just remember I'm like, okay, like I think this is the right move though. Like we had a 48 inch walk behind mower. I estimated I had probably logged 500 to 800 hours on it after two, three seasons. We had the little sulkies, little wheelie carts, you know? And we were just burning those uh, bearings up and replacing those. And I'm like, okay, I think. 48 inches is good. And then 60 would be, you know, 20% more productive. I get to sit instead of stand all day. I'm like, we could take on those bigger properties, those nice subdivision lawns. Like that was the dream. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds so Mickey Mouse and so remedial, but honestly, that's probably where a lot of guys listening in started. I know that's where I started, but I just remember like trying to figure out how to make it work. And we didn't have, you know, all the resources that you guys have with a million dollar landscape podcast. We did not have you know, these calculators or estimating tools or a bookkeeper or, you know, uh, I know we're both friends with Cycle CPA. Like we didn't know any of that stuff. It's a miracle that we're still here, like throwing mud (laughs) up against the wall and sees what sticks, you know? So I would encourage anybody like, hey, before you run out the door and go sign on shiny paint, which 
you know, that's the problem. It's zero percent. You could you, anybody can justify anything, especially when you have a mower that breaks down and you need it urgently. You know, like rain's coming in on Friday, mower broke down on Wednesday. They're saying they're not going to get it to uh, it until the weekend. You're like, hey, I've got five grand cash in the bank and I can go finance the rest. Like, I would say, hold on, hold on. You know, don't do that just yet. You know, so anyway, uh, I feel like I can relate to it all because I've kind of done most of it. Not always the prettiest thing, but hey, it's the good old, like, if we can still do it, you guys can still do it too. So hopefully there's some hope out there for somebody. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I think it is definitely a natural progression starting off using and then progressing your way up to getting to the new equipment. And that's just how I think most people get into this business. I've heard stories where people go to like garage sales and buy, you know, trimmers and blowers and whatever, just because, you know, that's all they can afford the time. But yeah, I I agree with you. Definitely don't go out and jump the gun and drop down a bunch of money on a new piece of equipment if you can't justify paying for it or, you know, if there's other things you could do to get by at the time. I think there's a lot of things that you can do other than that. I think specifically like, okay, so everybody's always excited about talking equipment, but there's a couple of guys out there that say similar things with what I'm going to suggest right now is instead of dropping tens of thousands of dollars on your mowers or equipment, evaluate putting that into marketing in HR or, you know, just hiring a second guy or a third guy or your first guy, because the likelihood of that return coming in and providing return, I should say that investment providing return is going to most likely be more significant with your marketing and your advertising, generally speaking for most guys, because until you cap out that first mower or that first crew, there's not really a reason to buy a second mower or a second truck or a third truck. And that's where I think people kind of get out ahead of their skis, if you will. And again, I've done it a hundred times. We all have. But I think, what do they say? Like an ounce of prevention beats a pound of cure. And if you have access to like coaching or uh, courses or resources or just, just get pen and paper out or build your own Excel sheet and like figure out like, okay, 25 lawns a day at $45 with a one or two man team, like run the numbers. And I just don't think a lot of people spend the time running the numbers about what it takes to keep that equipment moving and make it profitable. But a lot of words just to say, before you go and drop 10 grand on a mower, like consider investing two to $5,000 in a EDDM campaign or some yard signs or a new website or something. Because at the end of the day, like equipment is like part of the pie chart that we all have to like address and talk about. And it's fun, but like, let's realize like we're running a business and shiny mowers are what we all get excited about, like you go to Equip Expo and there's a million square feet of (laughs) exhibit space and who doesn't like looking at the mowers. But what I would rather see people do is go to the classes, go to the training, go to the education to learn how to make those mowers make you money. And I've been really trying to get better at that myself last five years. Our first 10 years were not the most illustrious. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) We were burning up the engines, reinvesting, burning up the engines. There wasn't a lot of margin. And the last four or five years have been significantly different. And really the last two or three years, we really started to catch our stride. And I'm really excited about that. So I just want to give you guys some like hope out there that even if you're an OG and, you know, an old dog that you can't, you know, teach new tricks, like, hey, listen to what some people out there are putting out there for good info and good content, Scott included, because it can really change your life and your business. And we all say like, we all work too hard for this to give it away for free. But I think really you got you to gotta know your numbers and know what you're trying to do out there. I think you bring up a great point that many, many people get in this business and they like the shiny toys, like you said, and they look at that, that's the investment that they don't look into the investment of themselves and that you can actually earn 10 times more with yourself and your knowledge than you can with that piece of equipment. So I, I think that's a definitely valid point there. Yeah. Amen to that. Well, I guess kind of going back to the equipment, just is there anything you should consider? Like if you're looking to buy some new piece of equipment, should you just look at certain brands, dealers, any suggestions on that? 
Oh, dude, of course. I mean, I, I do like talking equipment, right? So let's go back. <laughs> it's like the precursor, right? Like the, uh, the legalese, you know, like, hey, like your success is not whatever, right? Um, <laughs> but like, but let's actually talk about that thing anyway. Um, let's talk about uh, new versus used. I think that's a question that I, I know both of us receive a ton. And it's a great mm-hmm. question. I, I've personally distilled it down into two camps, two categories, two spectrums, right? Like, Buy new if you're getting out there and you want to have no less downtime or no downtime. The best technology, the most predictable, reliable mowing, cutting deck and platform, you know, the latest and greatest, the bells and whistles. And maybe you're an owner operator. It just needs to work, right? Like, obviously, something with zero hours is going to be, quote unquote, hopefully, knock on wood, more reliable than something with 2,500 hours. Now, that being said, like, we all know new stuff breaks too. So work with me here, okay? Actually, my first zero turn that I bought that Xmark Laser Z, and I love Xmark. We do a lot with them, actually. But my first zero turn at four hours, I popped the PTO and the clutch literally shredded the fins for the two discs that clamped together on the belt. And it was a $400 repair. I was already tapped out trying to do anything like get that zero turn as it was, right? Thankfully, they warranted it way back in the day. Thank God. But uh, new stuff breaks too, I always tell people. Now, that being said, if you got a couple bucks or cash flow or some good credit, like you should be able to finance most of this stuff for zero for 42, zero for 48. Just don't walk in there by $35,000 worth of mowers, okay? Like <laughs> most people don't need that. Maybe your one state, instead of getting like the top of the line one, like just bring it down a notch, okay? Like in two or three years, you can trade in or trade up or have that as your second backup mower and then go get the Rolls Royce of your preferred brand. Another quick one is, here's my suggestion. You guys do whatever you want, but mine would be support the brand and buy from the dealer closest to you that has a good service department. I honestly, like if you had to split the pie 80-20, like, I couldn't care less about the sales department as much as I do about the service department. I know it sounds kind of common sense, but I got guys all the time that we do coaching and they're driving an hour plus away for their, <laughs> for their favorite dealer or brand. And I said, well, why did you buy that? Well, so-and-so YouTuber or so-and-so influencer. And I'm like, facepalm. Like, who cares what they're using? (laughs) Like, well, I had to buy Skag or I had to buy Ferris. And by the way, like, all these guys are making great products. Like, who cares? Okay. We always say make tall grass short. But realistically, think about like the windshield time. It's like the death by a thousand paper cuts. You don't need to be driving an hour across town to go repair your mower if you got a different brand. And maybe you don't like the color or the paint. As long as it cuts the grass well, like that's the only prerequisite. But maybe you don't like the seat. Maybe they got a spring seat versus an air bladder seat. Who cares? Okay. But (laughs) as long as it cuts your turf type, that's the prerequisite because that's our actual product is making the lawn look nice. Number two is can they service the equipment and get you back out the door in a timely fashion? That would be number two. Like, number one, don't buy the biggest, baddest thing, but keep a budget. Let me go back to the new versus used. Uh, Used, by the way, was if you're mechanically inclined, yeah. then all by all means, you can consider some used equipment. If you're a country boy, you can probably work on your own stuff. If you're a city, you're probably not going to work at <laughs> repairing your own equipment. And that's, and by the way, my friend Stanley, uh, the dirt monkey, he called me a city at one day. And uh, I, I had to Google at uh, an urban dictionary. But anyway, <laughs> but like I can do oil changes, spark plugs, belts, you know, the simple stuff. But when a head gasket, you know, is leaking oil, I'm out. I have no, or leaking fuel. I have no idea. Right. Yeah. So when you buy like these mowers with 500, 1,000, 1,500 hours, that's kind of the sweet spot for like a trade-in. So the rule of thumb that I've come to personally realize, and I've talked with Ed Wright with Wright Mowers, amazing dude. If you want to play popcorn, you should get him on this thing. He's brilliant. 
but him and I did a whole podcast talking about the ideal sweet spot trade-in for a mower, and it's around fifteen hundred to eighteen hundred hours. That's kind of like the hundred thousand mile mark for like an auto, like for a vehicle. So if you're out there buying used and thinking you're going to save some money by buying a mower with twenty five hundred hours on it, be cautious unless you're very mechanically inclined. So new versus used, there's that. Buy the the one that's you know closest dealer to you. That that would be helpful. And then number three, I would say like, don't be afraid to try new things in your business. Like we were riding zero turn mowers for gosh, 13 years, maybe 13, 12 or 13 years at least. And all the stand-ons started hitting the market in like 2016, 2017. And I didn't even know they existed until I saw them on YouTube, right? Well, fast forward a couple of years, we've bought our own and we have some mowers sent to us with some of the brands we get to use, praise the Lord. But man, stand-down mowers are a game changer for us. We've moved exclusively during the regular mowing season to having stand-down mowers. We just love them. My guys love them. People thought they'd be hard on the knees or the feet. They're not compared to maybe being hard around the back, you know, with the zero turn. So I see a lot of guys that like, I would rather sit than stand. And I'm like, well, you have a, you know, a, a Hellcat, but it's a boat. I have a little <laughs> like Mazda Miata and this thing just whips around the, the stand down versus the zero turn, right? They're both awesome performance vehicles. Don't get me wrong, but that little Miata, man, we can just whip and turn and we need to be nimble out there for the different size properties and all that stuff. So. But like, you know, take a look at the Grandstand Multiforce with Toro. Some guys, they just want that one workhorse mower. Maybe they're an owner operator or two or three guys. And you can tool that machine five different ways. Like that wasn't a thing five years ago. Now I see companies all the time. They used to have a stand on leaf blower, a mower, and then a tractor for mulch. And now you can consolidate three or four pieces of equipment into just a Multiforce for half the price. And by the way, you need one operator instead of three operators. You know, and so it's just like stuff to uh, keep in mind, something to think about as the world changes. We're all dealing with labor shortages still. I don't ever foresee that changing unless the uh, heartbeat of this country changes a little bit. People just don't want to work anymore. It's wild. So keep an open mind, right? Like these Toro dingoes, everybody laughed Toro out of the room six years ago. And then COVID hit and they were sold out of these things and the ditch witches and the Toro dingoes and all this and the big equipment because people didn't want to work again even more. And so people saw the value. And I don't know if Toro like had hindsight or they just got lucky, but like the ditch witches, the Toro uh, dingoes and the giant Billy Goat debris loaders, you know, like where you used to take two or three guys. Now you can do that with one guy. So keep an open mind. That's a great point. Friend of ours, Andy Mulder. Yeah. He uses equipment more so than he has people just because he, he's had to look at that because he can't find people. So right. he gets, you know, all the different attachments for his excavators and everything else. And it's a, it's a great idea. And I love the idea of the uh, Toro unit where you can put all kinds of different attachments on it. It's, it's, it's just genius. Oh, seeing the hardscaper guys out there, like, yeah, Andy's an incredible dude. I was just listening to his podcast last night, his uh, recap on the Rich Dad Poor Dad book. Incredible book. It, it was really cool because he's more of a Dave Ramsey guy. So I was like, ooh, like, <laughs> and it's not necessarily oil and water, but I was like, I want to see, you know, somebody from the other camp because I have my belief on both of those topics <laughs> and uh, it's pretty well documented. But um, so it was really cool seeing that. But Andy's a great example. A lot of the other hardscape guys, you know, with the the buggies and the, I think they're called tilt rotators, like the stuff that they're able to do production wise, I'm sure would have been a figment of somebody's imagination 10, 20 years ago, you know, and it's, right. it's the sign of the times, man. It is. It is. But yeah, you brought up a great point with the equipment as far as getting it serviced, because that's something issue we ran into. Um, we used to have a dealer actually just for Husqvarna. So we had a bunch of Husqvarna equipment and 
all of a sudden that dealer closed up. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> so we got stuck with all this equipment. And I'm like, crap, now what are we going to do? So we had to go out and find another, you know, a whole nother um, dealer and another brand and everything. And we went to that. Yep. Just do your research on it because it can hurt you. We we actually purchased a boxer, a mini skidster a long time ago. It was a great piece of equipment, but, you know, a hose blew and, and some other things broke on it. Trying to get parts for it was a pain. We literally had to have it shipped like a couple hours away just because of it. And so it was down for like a week because you know, a pin broken. Yep. Learn from our mistakes. <laughs> I'll give you another one. Uh, perfect example with the skid that you were just talking about. I'm looking for a tractor. Well, I have like two of the big brands. One's like actually right where I live, like two miles down the road. And another one's about 25 minutes away where I'm building my house and my shop this summer, which praise the Lord, like all glory there, like 10 years in the making, bro. Like it's been <laughs> 17 years in the making for the Lunker company, but we've been saving money like crazy the last six, seven years. And uh, I was talking with my guys i said hey like which one do you guys prefer because the guys are going to be running it just as much as me so it's a you know it's a team decision i'm not like mm -hmm. hey this is what we're getting in ramrod i don't do that with my company <laughs> i try to get some consensus you know and try to be a good leader my point is okay sure like that one brand is one mile down the road two miles down the road from my house right now but like you got to ask yourself these kind of questions like where is the company going where are we going what does our schedule look like what are we getting more into what's been the trend you know, so for us, it's been more commercial work and more commercial work typically has bigger mulch beds. We've always used tractors, but man, we're getting into moving a lot of mulch. I, I put, a, a, again, some quotes there because for us, moving a couple hundred yards of mulch, two, 300 yards, uh, some guys do that in a week with their company. Okay. It's all relative. <laughs> um, so, but for us, that's a lot of mulch for our size company. We're doing about three, $400,000 in revenue projected this year. So one of the biggest bottlenecks and opportunities for us is getting a tractor. Well, Long story short, where I'm planning to live and move and all this mess and where we're building, the other brand is two miles down the road from there. So if I'm thinking like, yeah, a brand A, and, and, and honestly, like it's 51-49. It's not like 80-20 that either one's going to be a game changer in terms of like what they are. They're both good tractors. But serviceability-wise, if I'm going to go service something that's two miles down the road from where I plan to live, then I might go with that brand instead. And it goes full circle to our conversation at the top of the hour, like go with the dealer that can support you. Because I've heard guys that have different brands out there and not throwing anybody under the bus, obviously, but they've all had crazy product availability uh, with during the COVID years or some of their stuff might be globally sourced, I think is what we say now in America. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's funny right there, which means it might take six weeks for that product to come in or that, that part or that item. So I heard people say like, no shade on Caterpillar, but like people are like, hey, you can buy their stuff, but like it might take a while to get it serviced. And then other brands, hey, you, it's going to be a lesser machine, quote unquote. But hey, man, like their parts department has been awesome, like overnight stuff. So, you know, some of these things are off of my pay grade, above my pay grade. So just do your due diligence. Ask your, your peers like, hey, what's working? Who's the good dealer in town? And build those networks and relationships, man. I'll tell you like, practical story like treat your people good with equipment like your sales guy your service team you might walk into a dealer and have a five-day turnaround average but for you when you walk in right you might get the white glove treatment because maybe you are an owner operator and they understand your situation or number two you just treat those guys so darn well because you buy them donuts and pizzas once or twice a year like i'll tell you what man in this economy like cash talks and it's not you're better than anybody kind of thing or you're trying to buy your way in front of the line. But you know, if you've done hundreds of thousands of dollars with a business and respectfully some other person walks in with a hundred fifty dollar snowblower repair, like you're gonna probably get bumped to the front of the line. Mm -hmm. And you're never entitled to that. 
you're never owed that. But I will tell you that blessing people and taking care of them and being kind and you know just being generous with those service people, they mean a lot. Like learn their names. Those are the secret army behind your company, especially when you're smaller, like zero to a million. Those are the people that are the backbone to keep you and your guys moving. So treat them right. Learn their names. Buy them some pizzas. $50 in Einstein bagels goes a long way once or twice a year. <laughs> it's funny you say this. I, I'm actually doing a podcast about networking after this. So oh. because it, it is so important. It, it is important just even in the equipment side of things and in your relationship for customers. So it, yeah. networking is so important. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The dealers love it. You bring some donuts in or some Little Caesars pizzas or something like that. They love that. And it does help push you up. I guarantee it does. I tell the guys all the time because we do some stuff with social media and YouTube and all that nonsense. Uh, nonsense being a good thing, but I, I never ask for preferential treatment. I tell the guys at the dealer, stop it. Like, stop. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, we would treat everybody this way. I go, you're lying. But, you know, like, it's like the chicken or the egg, though, because I bless those guys with giving them shout outs on my social and sending customers and business. And then not only that, I tell my guys when you go up there, dude, P's and Q's, do not be a, a jerk. Like, we're regular long crew. If it's a six day lead time, then that's what it is. But I will tell you, we do bless those guys quite a bit, like with coffee, bagels, pizzas, like dude, $100 in Little Caesars can go a long way. And again, you're just, you're building those relationships. By the way, do that with your customers too. Like talk about networking for a second. But you know, when you're sending out a commercial bid, like, hey, by the way, like once a year we give out free bagels, like ha ha ha. Like you'd be surprised what people will do for free food. I... I mean, that's the way to my soul, right? Through the, through the yeah. stomach, right? So, yeah. but yeah, though, uh, one other quick thing, um, and I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole here, but yeah. is make sure, or I would encourage you to make friends with the regional reps too, because sometimes those guys actually are the more of the gatekeeper or can expedite things than the dealer. So if you guys understand the supply chain, like manufacturer, you know, uh, then there's a broker or distribution guy, then, uh, you know, a wholesaler or a warehouser, then it's going to the retail store. Well, all of the brands, uh, they have all their distribution centers and they have all their distribution arms and channels. Like those industry reps aren't working for like the company, like Toro. Okay. They're, they're at some company like, you know, uh, Johnson Distribution. Okay. And so it might be like JDI. Johnson Distribution International. Well, like that's the Toro rep. Well, he's not employed by Toro. He's employed by JDI who moves the Toro mowers. He's the middleman. Well, if you can get in with that guy and say, hey, I need a new Toro Grandstand Multiforce and your dealer says, hey man, it's a six month lead time or three month lead time. But at the open house, again, shaking hands, kissing babies, building your network, you meet the guy, you know, you meet Tom Smith and he's the Toro rep. And you're like, hey, dude, we need six of these for my company. He's going to go, oh, dude, $100,000 purchase order. Hey, like, I got allocation. It's going to you. And people are like, well, that's not right or whatever. Like, dude, that's just business. Okay, relax. Like, but (laughs) but make friends with those guys, your snowplow dealer guys. That's why you go to open houses. That's why you go to trade shows, like local trade shows. And again, think about it, dude. You're going to be doing this for 10, 20 years. So are they. I know all of the local guys. I know all the distribution guys. Like, I am intentional making friends with those guys because when you need equipment, and especially the last two years, like those are the guys that are going to pull strings to get you to the top of the line versus just getting in the queue 100 deep. Oh, yeah. No, I, I agree. Holy. Those are definitely some great points. So, Ryan, is there anything else you wanted to add about uh, buying equipment or anything other considerations that we need to think of? Or um, We covered a lot here. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's pretty good. If you guys have some <laughs> other suggestions, guys, give uh, Scott some feedback and we could always go do uh, another episode down that rabbit hole. But I would say like, just make sure your equipment's making you money. 
and and shed or let go of anything you don't need in your company. I'll give you one really quick, for instance, case study. I had a, this is about 11 years in, we had a zero turn, a couple mowers. I had a 36 inch gated backyard mower. At the time, we had like 120 clients. We were doing like five or six gated properties. And that mower was literally, we had it on the trailer all week. So toting around 600 pounds. It would always struggle to start because you'd use it once a week and it was already eight years old. You know, uh, I was probably like the fifth or sixth owner. (laughs) (laughs) But like the actual utilization of that asset was pretty low. It wasn't a huge return on it. So we actually shed that mower. I just had an epiphany. Nobody taught me this. No guru. I just one day realized like, wait a minute, I'm really good at marketing. I could go get five customers and replace the five gated backyard customers with five open style subdivision properties. And I could spend probably 10 bucks on postcards or flyers, get that mower off my trailer, save fuel, save space, get 800 back into our cash flow. I'm like, why am I not getting rid of this mower? So I was doing that, by the way, for like six or seven years. It was inefficient. So sometimes, like the stuff that you're looking for, these little inefficiencies and opportunities for growth, they're staring you right in the face. You just have to like kind of look at it at a different lens, like get some quiet time or draw something out. Like I'm a big pen and paper guy. Like what does it look like practically speaking? And I just went like, why am I doing this? Like I hate the gated backyards. This is miserable. It never cuts well because all these hills and slopes. But it was an extra opportunity to put $1,000 back in our business and shift gears. And we've never done gated backyards ever since. Now, everybody's business model is different. Some of you guys have 90% gated backyards. I, I hear you. <laughs> but like, Here's the thing. If you're pulling the stand-down mower off your property to do a gated backyard and using a dedicated mower that's ten, twelve thousand dollars or six thousand dollars, like a, a right stander X or or I or B or whatever, like charge ten, twenty dollar premium. Like you have to recover that equipment, you have to recover that overhead cost. So don't give it away for free. Yourself or the equipment, charge for everything. Cause my gosh, once you start getting my size or above, like the overhead just starts crushing you <laughs> so you gotta you gotta and you guys have you know million dollar podcast right i mean like you have to start paying attention to these things or they will catch up with you as your business continues to grow so yeah, yeah. i beyond that man like equipment's fun it can change your business uh we bought a stand on leaf blower loved it that was something on our dream board for a while for the for the company and the efficiency gain there is insane insane five years ago people would laugh at those today the same guys laughing now have two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like people laughed at my big snow power F14 snow plow. That thing's retarded. And I'm like, okay, sure. But we're doing, you know, one and two acre commercial lots in 15 and 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I'm running 600 per hour production rates. So, and then people laugh at Encons and steel wrists and buggies and dingoes. And Brightview is trying to buy hundreds of them. Yep. And it's like, what do they know that I don't know? So, just keep an open mind with equipment. Things are changing. And uh, yeah, that's all I got, man. That's, it's, uh, if I think of anything else, I'll, we'll, we'll do an addendum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Brian, I appreciate it. This has been a great episode. And hope everybody out there listening gets some ideas and, and some thoughts and different things that you need to think about when it comes to purchasing, whether it's new or used and you know different brands and, and dealers and stuff. So definitely keep all those considerations in mind when you start looking for equipment. Again, remember, most of us started at the bottom. We worked our way up. I'd like, I remember rototilling a yard with my mom's rototiller. It was like this wide, you know, 12 inches wide, doing a whole freaking yard yep. back in the 80s. 
but you work your way up. Now we have, we could do a whole yard in, you know, a half a day now. Yep. So it just, it's a whole different spectrum from what it was. So. Hey, I, I rented walk behind air raiders, like the ones that just beat you up, you know? Yep. Oh, oh my gosh, bro. I, I would go through a bottle of a leave every spring. <laughs> I'm not even kidding with walk behind air raiders. And then a stand on air raider came out and I was like, I don't have 10 grand, but I can go rent this thing for 200 bucks a day. Like we've rented so much equipment. Uh, it's not even funny. So before you own, maybe you yep. got to rent. And that's okay. Yep. It, it's it bridges the gap, man. So we've all been there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can always get to the big boys' equipment at some point. So don't don't stress out about it. <laughs> Amen. Renting is just fine too. We've rented yep. we've rented so much equipment. It's not even funny for one offs. We rent tractors all the time for mulch. That's why you know until we buy our own. So it's yep. and again, if if you're not going to maximize that that asset and utility out of it, then renting is totally fine too. So be creative. Be creative. Rent yep. from a friend if you have to. That's okay. Yep. There you go. Yep. All right, Brian. Well, again, I thank you so much for being on the show today. We'll have, definitely have to do this again. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Go check out Brian's podcast. Check out the Entrepreneur Academy. It's a great program. So again, thank you, Brian. How can uh, listeners reach out to you and how can they get hold of you? Yeah, really simply just uh, Brian's Law Maintenance on YouTube. Uh, we have a YouTube channel with like a thousand videos. Most of them are a little bit more how-to. I like to uh, teach X's and O's. Uh, just kind of share it and document our story and our business. But uh the podcast Fullerton Filter, that's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday show. That's me basically just screaming at people for about <laughs> an hour, three times a week. <laughs> I'm having fun there, but it's basically my life story, just trying to teach people what we're doing you know, day to day. And then uh, Instagram is a great place as well. We're still active there big time, uh, Brian Salmanen. So if you guys have questions, man, shoot an email, say hey anytime. But I'm one of you guys. I'm definitely not a guru. I'm not an influencer. I'm a regular dude just out there trying to make it happen with you guys. And uh, Scott, can't thank you enough for the time, man. Appreciate everything. And uh, thanks for being a friend and uh, another asset uh, to the industry and to the community, man. You're, you guys are doing big things over there. Thank you. You as well. So, All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us today. Hope you guys have a great day. That's a wrap on another exciting episode here of the Million Dollar Landscape Podcast. Now, thank you for joining us on this journey. And thank you for being a member of our community. Remember our motto, do it dirty means just get started and not be afraid of making mistakes. We honestly believe this is one of the keys to the success in this industry and in life. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment, head over to Apple and leave us a review. Your support helps us reach more listeners and bring even more value to the show. Until next time, keep doing it dirty and grow your business to new heights.